And so then Sports Illustrated, in their infinite wisdom, has the Bears predicted for three victories this season. A team that last year had no coaching, no offensive system, no identity on defense, won six games, and yet now, with an easier schedule, are going to be three games worse with Matt Eberflus and this offense and this organization that seems to have an identity and seems to have a purpose. And the best part about this, they have the Lions pick to win nine games. They bought in. They've seen hard knocks. They've seen Dan Campbell. They've, they've bought in. Listen, this is the thing that I keep saying over and over again. The Lions are those jobbers that get the, the shiny video package and all of a sudden you think Chad Gable's going to beat Roman Reigns. It never works out quite that way. But listen, Sammy, why don't we go ahead and start the show? Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Welcome to the Sick Podcast. It's me, Adam Rank, and we have got a great show for you lined up today. We have one of the best in the business who covers Chicago sports like no other. Daniel Greenberg is going to be joining the show. Can't wait to talk to him. Can't wait to talk to him about some of the moves the Bears have been making over the last couple of days. A lot of reasons for excitement in Chicago. And of course, we will take a trip to Fantasy Island once again from the Action Network. Samantha Praviti will be joining us, giving us some tips on some draft strategies. She's got, she's got, she's locked in on the Denver Broncos. So if you've been trying to figure out if we want to draft Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton, we're going to get to the bottom of all of that. But first, before we do any of that, I want to let everybody know I live in California. And as you know, we have all kinds of air quality issues. We have wildfires, dust, pollution, pollen, all sorts of things. And of course, COVID is still with us. And with the kids going back to school, COVID cases are spiking. That is why with more viruses in the air and things like that, I, I went out and acquired an air purifier. And I got one from Air Pura to help me and the family breathe cleaner at home. It also reduced the risk of COVID and other, and other pollutants and other viruses that are out there. You know, it's amazing to me, you know, with training camps going on, that more teams don't get air purifiers. As you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was on a studio show that was ravaged by COVID. So I think that the, the, the smart move this fall is to go out there and get an air purifier like the one I got from Air Pura. I put it in the kids' room. It looks like R2-D2. They love it. It's as quiet as a church mouth. But the most important thing, you can breathe easy and have some peace of mind. So look into it if you can. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, comment sick. If you are listening on audio, please leave a five-star review and write stick. And of course, as a reminder to all of you in the Chicagoland area, AM 1530, WCKG is the Chicago home of the Sick Podcast. That's right. 2 p.m. Central every Friday, the Sick Podcast kicks off a two-hour block that includes Olin Krutz, Jason McKee. Two hours, a cover two of Bears coverage like no other. So be sure to check out AM 1530 WCKG. But right now, uh, as promised, 
We are going to be joined by one of the prominent voices. If you are not following this young man on Twitter, you are missing out on some of the best news updates. He has his finger on the pulse of the Chicago Bears. Please welcome Daniel Greenberg to the show. Daniel, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really well. I know that you tweeted this out earlier today. You had, or on Thursday, whenever you're listening to this, mm-hmm. uh, you just, without comment, you put up Sports Illustrated's prediction of 3-14. and 14. What did you make of that? Where where do you fall in this in this battle? Yeah, so when I saw that, I just started laughing <laughs> uh, because I don't think they're going to be 3-14. and 14. I think they're going to be more competitive, and they're going to – I have them winning around seven to eight games this season, so, and I don't have them finishing last, so – I, I, I still think that they're better than the Detroit Lions. I think the Detroit Lions, it's a great story, all the hype, whatever it is. Um, I just think that we have more talent than them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I tweeted it out, and I just wanted to see the comments, and there was a lot of funny comments on there. Yeah, and you're kind of like in the middle. with or You're right around a lot of Bears fans, I think, share a very similar sentiment to you, seven, mm-hmm. eight wins. I think it's a realistic goal. I think that, you know, there's been too much made – during the offseason of, oh, this roster's terrible, this roster, it's not competitive. I don't really see it that way. What have you thought about the way that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus have kind of attacked the offseason and where we're standing right now? Yeah, I like the way that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus have done what they have done this offseason and how they have taught the players in training camp. I think there's more talent than a lot of people think that they have. For example, NFL Network had the Bears uh, with three players in the NFL top 100, and mm-hmm. the Packers had two players. So yeah. you can tell that, for me, I, I think they have more talent, which is fine. People are sleeping on this team. They'll be awake soon to find out that they're a good team. Yeah, and I, I do know that uh, over the last couple of days when roster cutdowns have happened, the Bears did pick up six players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, the haters are out. We we see it on the Twitter. We know. We're, we're not yeah. – we, we see them. A lot of people then use that to be like, well, see, like that the Bears are obviously awful. Was it a situation where it's like, ah, the Bears roster might not be as deep as we think it is? Or is this just Ryan Poles wisely going out there and trying to find value? Yeah, I think it's Ryan Poles finding value. I think he's really good at it. And I think these six players that they got off the waiver claim, I think you have it's a fresh start for them. You know, just because Mm -hmm. you don't do good in one team doesn't mean that you're not going to do good in another team. So you take a chance in these players. Obviously, the Bears, you know, they're not Super Bowl contending team. So why not take a flyer on these players, see what you have on them. And then next offseason, when you have a lot of cap space, maybe you can extend these players or maybe you can develop these players this season and see what you have in them. Yeah, one of the ones that stood out to me, obviously, was Alex Leatherwood. A first round pick of the Las Vegas Raiders a year ago. And obviously, you know, an Outland Trophy winner coming from a major program. He's got talent. And it it was a little bit surprising to me that the Raiders gave up so quickly. But whenever you bring in a new coach and a new regime, you know, they, they, you know, we've seen it with Ryan Poles. You know, you get rid of some guys you don't think are going to end up fitting your system. When he was, when it was first talked about that he was released, it was a player that I was like, okay, yeah, I could be into this. And perhaps, you know, I didn't know that they were going to put in a waiver claim or not, but they did. And it's still not excessively expensive. And you have him for three more years. What did you make of that pickup? Yeah, so I trust Ryan Poles, former offensive lineman. He knows what he's talking about. 
And Matt Eberflus said that they talked to a lot of the Raiders coaches and they had a good report on him. And the biggest thing that I think that might go underrated in this is the Bears believe that they have one of the best offensive line coaches in the league in Chris Morgan. And they believe that he will develop him and he'll become a really good player. What is the feeling there in Hallis Hall? Do they think that he projects as a tackle, which is what the Raiders tried to do? The Raiders actually moved him all over the offensive line, and I think a case could be made that you know he wasn't given a real opportunity to find a home somewhere and be mm-hmm. developed. What do you think? What is what is the feeling in Hallis Hall? Are they are they looking at him at tackle? Is he a possible guard? Because you know Michael Schofield was kind of a surprise release. Yeah. Do they? Where does he kind of figure into this mix with the Chicago with the uh, Chicago Bears offensive line? Yeah. So in the beginning, uh, I think they're going to put him at tackle and guard and see what works better for him and what works better for the unit, and then they'll decide. Um, I, I think in the beginning they'll see what's happening, like what kind of player he is, where does he best fit on this team, and then they'll make a permanent decision. You know, speaking of players who've moved position on the offensive line, Tevin Jenkins was one of the biggest stories of the offseason. You know, somebody that a lot of Bears fans, and we still do, have a lot of high regard for, think that he can still be a good player in the NFL. I guess the first question I would have for you, he's still on the team, right? He hasn't been traded as far as we know? Still on the team as of right now, yeah. Okay, he's still on the team, and that's good news. I thought over the last couple of weeks, the move to right guard really suited him. And I know people had high hopes that he could perhaps play left tackle or something like that. But I really feel like he he, he found a home at right tackle. What are you hearing out of out of out of Hallis Hall? Is it does it feel like he's got a home, or is this just kind of a spot of like we need to get him on the field? This was a perfect opportunity. Yeah, I don't think it's you need to get him on the field because if they didn't want to get him on the field, they would have traded him. I think they like where he is right now. It takes time to develop into a new position. And I think against the Browns in the third preseason game, I thought he did a really solid job. And even the Bears, uh, Lou Getze even said that he did a really good job. And I think they're impressed with that, what they've seen. But there's always competition and never a bad thing to add more and more offensive alignment into your group. And it adds competition and it makes everyone around you better. Yeah, it is one of those things. I saw an an interesting tweet the other day where there was somebody uh, tweeted out that he was trying to – I wish I would have brought it up. I wish I would have given it to Sammy, our producer, so he could have brought it up. And somebody was complaining, like, how do these guys go about their lives not knowing where they're going to play? But I think the true spirit of competition is, no, you you should never feel comfortable. Is that kind of the sense that you get from this coaching staff? Like, I I saw it with Pete Carroll when I covered USC – for the Orange County Register back in the day, he was always, you heard the mantra, always competing. Is that kind of the sense that you get from the Chicago Bears and Matt Eberflus? Absolutely. Every single day, every single practice, every single rep is a competition. And you should never be comfortable that if you think you're secured in your position, you're, you might, you're wrong in that. You know, they always expect competition. Even Matt Eberflus said recently that the nickel position is still a competition, mm-hmm. even after three preseason games. So they're still evaluating and, you should never be comfortable. Yeah, it, it it's kind of refreshing. Like, how do you feel about that? Because I I look at it, it and again, I know this always comes off that we're bashing Matt Nagy, and I know mm-hmm. my friend Draft Doctor Phil and the Tape Never Lies Network who does who do a great job. They always went after Matt Nagy. I think that he was a fine person. I think he made some mistakes, but I do think that it's a it's a real nice departure 
to see the way that this coaching staff is handling a lot of these situations. I, I remember early in, in the preseason, you know, people were talking about, oh, they're botching this. Polls is bot. I'm like, if any, I, I think that he's nailed it. Like, I go the exact opposite way. I think he's crushing it. How do you feel? I think Ryan Poles is he gets an A for me. I've been a huge fan of what he's he's done. And the biggest thing that really impressed me was when the, there was the whole Roquan Smith extension talks and the mm -hmm. he was requesting a trade. Ryan Poles went to the media and had a conversation with the media and told them, this is what's happening. This is what like I want from the player. And we don't see that a lot of times from a general manager. And I thought he handled it very appropriately and he got ahead of it. Yeah, I thought that that was, uh, along with you, I, I thought like, yeah, this is what it, we exactly want our general manager to be doing. I always feel like he's accountable. I think he's been very op up, up front and open with the way he's going to conduct his business. And he's been doing it. Everything that he says he's going to do, he does. And so I appreciate it. I do want to talk about the defense here in a sec, but I want to, we'll stay on the offensive side of the football because as we brought in players on the offensive line, on the defensive line, we did not address the wide receiver position. Now, there were some notable names who were released. You know, Preston Wilson coming to mind, obviously Josh Gordon. The Bears didn't make a move and didn't bring in a wide receiver. Are we to believe that they're happy with our wide receiver room? I wouldn't say they're happy because, like I said, they always want to add competition. But I think a lot of the players, the wide receivers that are injured right now, they're hopeful that they will be back before week one. So they're being patient with it and they're just not, you know, they're not trying to add players to the team when you know that a lot of the players that are injured right now are hopeful to be coming back before week one. So I think that there will be more competition. I think they'll add players, but I don't think they'll add players right now. Well, one of the guys that will not be back in week one is in Keel Harry, who was put on the injured reserve list. What does that mean? How long does he have to be out for when he goes on the IR? Yeah, so he will be a he will be out a minimum of four games. So expect him to be back around mid October. Um, I think that it, he'll return week five. I think this is just a a four game thing, and then he'll be back uh, in week five. Now you got to, to see him a little bit in practice before he went down with injury. How did you? I I I, I saw one day of practice. Mm -hmm. I was I was kind of impressed. I I like seeing him take handoffs. There was one play. Uh, where I noticed, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Everybody looking for the next Debo Samuel. What were your impressions of Enkeel? Because, again, like Alex Leatherwood and some of these other guys they picked up over the last couple of days, he fits that mold of, like, high draft pick, but somebody who has an obvious uh, a, a lot of talent. Yeah, so my first impression of him when I was at training camp was he's really tall and he's really fast. And I <laughs> think what, that's what the Bears offense, what the, that's what they want to have. Um, I thought he looked really good when I was there. Um, and I think that he can add, like, he's reliable wide receiver that Justin Fields can count on. I also, you know, I, I look at David Montgomery, who got a chance to play in the final preseason game. Does he have an opportunity? I know he's going into his last year of his contract. Does he have an opportunity to parlay that into a longer-term deal, or is this going to be the last season that we see of David Montgomery? Yeah, I hope it's not the last year. Um, I think that he's a leader on this locker room. And I think once the offensive line is established, I think that David Montgomery is going to have a really good season. And Ryan Pulse has always said that if you're going to play really well, he's really open to extending players. And I think that David Montgomery, they know what he, they're going to get out of him. He's very reliable. And I think by the end of the day, they will extend him. Have you noticed too, uh, it's been really funny. Now he's a quiet guy, you know this, and 
I think over the over this, you know, the training camp time, he's really taken a step forward as kind of a personality, like somebody that you can count on when you're sitting in there in Hallis Hall. Like he's great on the microphone. We've seen him on social media do some things with the Bears social team. Is I, I think that he's taken a real step forward in that aspect too, which has been pretty fun to see. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I said, he's becoming a leader, and I think he's just getting more and more comfortable being in the, the Bears organization, and you're seeing more of his personality, which is always good. Yeah, I'd love to see that, and he's been one of my favorites ever since he's come into the league. I remember the day he – the night he was drafted, I had actually left because we didn't have – what was it, third-round pick, second-round pick? I'm like, wow, uh, this isn't going to happen. I got a phone call. I was at Costco uh, from Draft Dr. Phil, as a matter of fact. He's like, we got David Montgomery, so I've been excited – uh, ever since, and I hope that he's. I hope that this is his opportunity to go out there and crush it. Oh, and by the way, not that you care, Daniel. I don't know if you play fantasy football or not, but I was sitting there the other day. Uh, I had the 1.01 pick in a fantasy football league I was doing with a bunch of luminaries from the fantasy industry. Took Jonathan Taylor number one. I wasn't messing around. So I had the first, uh, the last pick of the second round, first pick of the third round. Typically, I'll take Tyreek Hill, and I saw David Montgomery was there, and I was like, you know what? ceremonially, I'm going to take David Montgomery in the second round. Just so everybody knows, he's a second-round pick in my book. So I, I'm looking forward to him having a great season. I know you didn't want to hear about my fantasy team. I, but I, was I, gonna... I drafted him in the third round. So You did? Yeah. See, that's that's one of the things. And I know we'll be doing Fantasy Island with Samantha Praviti in a little bit. But I, I get this question from people. I was doing a seminar for this company, and people were like, you know – I was getting a lot of, maybe it's because they knew I liked the Chicago bears, but they were like, ah, like David Montgomery. They're like, this is the kind of pick that we end up with in the third round that we don't feel excited about. I kind of go the other way. I think that this is one of the more undervalued people. And I think a lot of it is the, the, the narrative that we've seen during the off season, that this just team just isn't good. And that people now have this guy where I look at it the other way of a team that's going to run the football a lot, a system that last season produced two running backs that had over 1,100 scrimmage yards. I think people are undervaluing David Montgomery. I know you have to feel the same way. Absolutely. And I think they're going to be running the ball a lot more than this than the past season. I think Lou Getze's offense will, will have a lot of screen plays for him, um, a lot of running plays, and a lot of good formations. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that O'Shaughnessy – was was let go. Obviously, with, with Cole Komet and Ryan Griffin there, O'Shaughnessy, I thought, you know, he's a veteran guy. He's a good player. I thought mm-hmm. we'd see a lot of 12 personnel. Are the Bears still looking for more tight end help? Are we expecting them to run? As you said, you know, expect them to run the ball a lot. Yeah. Are we expecting a lot of 12 personnel from them? Because last season, the Green Bay Packers were third in the league in 12 personnel, which means you have two tight ends out there. Is that something where the Bears are trying to address, trying to get better? A hundred percent. And when I was in training camp, they had a lot of 12 personnel. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do that this season. And you kind of saw that in the preseason. I don't think they wanted to show their cards, but there was a couple of plays where they had 12 personnel. Yeah, that's got to be something that, especially when you have a young quarterback who's developing, you know, 12 personnel helps out a lot, max protection, things of that nature. And let's talk about the quarterback right now. You know, this has been a, a big issue. Over the last, I, I guess, months, yeah. people pretending that the Bears did nothing for Justin Fields. What have you seen from Justin? What is, what is the biggest takeaway 
that you have being out at Hallis Hall, watching this team practice, what has been the biggest takeaway about Justin Fields? So for me, I kind of look at it differently. Um, I don't care about the players that he has around him. I look at it as what, what kind of player is he in the second season of his NFL career? And for me, the biggest thing is confidence. He has a lot of confidence this season. Yeah, they don't have the best you know players around him. A lot of people say that Darnell Mooney is maybe a wide receiver two or three. I think he's a really good player. But I just think confidence and he's more of a leader and he understands the offense. And he doesn't have, when a coach tells him, hey, we're going to run this play, he doesn't have to run that back. He can tell the offense right away what it is. So I just think the confidence in him um, is no, very noticeable. And you see that in the, thir- in the three preseason games. You also see that in practices. And I think you're going to see that also this season. You know, it, it feels like he has a very cool budding bromance with offensive coordinator Luke Getze. Uh, what has that relationship been like? Because every time we see them on the sideline, they seem like they're having the time of their lives. Oh, yeah. I think he, he has said that he's one of the best offensive uh, coordinators that he has ever had. I just think that Luke Getze, the thing with him is the scheme works. And I think he knows he's been with Aaron Rodgers. He, players trust him. David Montgomery said recently that he would run through a brick wall for him. So I think a lot of players trust him. And I think you saw that in the third preseason game, how the offense got going, the scheme, the, the plays that they had. And I think a lot of players like him and they have the full trust in him. Yeah. What did you think of that Cleveland game? I know after that first series, you're kind of like, oh, no, mm-hmm. uh, not exactly the, the, the start we were hoping for at that point, but obviously settled down. Three touchdown passes, 14 of 16. I I don't know. I, I guess when your team doesn't do well in preseason, you're like, hey, it's just preseason. But honestly, we should be allowed to be a little excited by what we saw out there, no? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if the Bears weren't playing well in the preseason, all the alarms would be going <laughs> off. Like, what's going on? It's the preseason and they're not looking good. I've always said it's a new system in place. It takes time to develop. People want results right away. And I'm just like, look, relax. It's going to take time. Let them figure it out. That's why the preseason's there. That's why they have practices. And like I said, I think they're being better than a lot of people expected. I think this new system, new coaches has really gotten into the players. And I think they have the full trust in them. Yeah, that's one of the things. It's it's the trust. And I, I think that, you know, even going back, you know, after the 2018 season, we didn't see a lot of of Trubisky and them during the preseason. But I, we foolishly on my part was like, okay, we're going to be great. We're going to come out. And then we went out for that 100th game against the Packers and got smoked per, you know, which is becoming far too commonplace for my liking. But I don't know with this coaching staff, it just feels different. And I feel like a lot of people are going to be shocked. I was shocked too. I don't know how much you get into this. Now I'm not endorsing gambling, I don't, I don't, I don't play that way or anything like that. I'm just putting out information. I happened to look at a website and it happened to say that the, the 49ers are seven point favorite. That seems ridiculous to me that the, the 49ers are seven point favorites over the bears. That can't be right. Can it? Yeah. I mean, let them be the favorites. That's why they play the games. I think the bears will beat the 49ers, but Hey, look, let them be the favorites right now. It's all cool. That's why they play the games. You know what? I love that you're picking the Bears. Last year, I thought the Bears had an opportunity to beat the 49ers, 
Um, things didn't work out. I think a lot of that goes down to defense. You know, yep. Justin Fields put them in a position to win last year with all the things that were working against him. He still went out there and gave them a chance to win. It was the defense that let him down. Yep. Now we talk, you talked about the defense earlier, things like the nickel position still wide open, the huge role in a in a Matt Eberflus defense. Who is it who stepped up and impressed you? on the defensive side of the football so far in training camp as we head into week one. Yes. So a player that might not get recognized or, you know, is not a name out there that a lot of people like or know. I think that Justin Jones has done a really good job in the preseason and also in practices. I think this guy's an absolute monster out there. Um, He's been really good. And I think that he's a player that is very underrated. I think he will have a really good season. Yeah, it is one of those things that, you know, nobody talks about him. Justin Jones, of course, was signed to the club after everything fell apart with Larry Ogunjobi. That situation, you know, he didn't pass a physical. And I, I, I know it was disappointing for a lot of Bears fans. And I think that was one of the things where people are, the polls doesn't know what he's doing. Personally, and let me ask you about that. I thought that was actually one of the first times, you know, I was giving Ryan Poles a lot of benefit of the doubt coming over from the Kansas city chiefs organization, bringing in Ian Cunningham, two guys from two great organizations. I'm like, I'm going to give you a lot of leeway. Mm-hmm. And then when the Larry Ogunjobi thing went down, I went the opposite of a lot of people. I'm like, this impresses me. Like you have set up a system and you're like, if you don't pass a physical, you're not going to be able to play for the Chicago bears. I think under previous regimes, they would have been like, yeah, whatever, like come in here. How did you feel about the way that that went down? Yeah, I'm on the same boat as with you. I really didn't understand where the hate was coming from with polls because if you fail a physical, you fail a physical, and you they sign into a good like a large amount of money too. Yeah. So if you're gonna not pass a physical, why would I sign you into that deal? So I was I think it's very impressive, and I thought the biggest thing that before even the signings and everything that was happening with Ryan Poles. I thought him when he was signing players, the Bears social media accounts, they sent out a thank you to their agent, which I thought was really nice for them just to build that relationship with the agencies and the agents. And they also, I had one, uh, a rookie, his agent told me that the Bears sent a letter to their agency with a signed football and a signed jersey, which that agent told me that they never received that from any uh, football team before. That's that was, that's what that's that was, they, he told me that was something that was very new and something that was really cool and he actually called Ryan Poles and he thanked them and he, Ryan Poles said that's so that's the new way of our organization so it's very impressive. I love that and I think that that's when one of the things that has been great about the new approach with Ryan Poles and I'll put Ian Cunningham in there and again this again nobody wants to do it I still give a little bit of credit. To Ryan Pace, because these are things that he wanted done. And yeah. you know what? And we've seen it. You know, it, it didn't work out for Ryan Pace. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the Trubisky pick, hiring Matt Nagy are things that you're probably not going to be able to, to, to come back from. But he right. did set a lot of things in motion. We've seen Ted move up into the front office, doesn't deal with, you know, football issues anymore, and which is great. He's, he's good at what he does. But, you know, they've kind of streamlined the football operation, brought in an assistant GM, And again, going back to what you were saying about Justin Jones, this is kind of flown under the radar because the three technique 
one of the most important parts of the defense for Matt Eberflus. And when Larry Ogunjobi did not pass his physical, they wasted no time, absolutely no time in going out there and getting Justin Jones. And, you know, we saw him play for the LA Chargers. He's been a very productive player. I know the Chargers run defense wasn't great last year, but the numbers with Justin Jones out there are very favorable. And so far in training camp, he's looked pretty good. What about Roquan Smith? Now, obviously, he had a hold in. A couple of things at work here with with Roquan Smith that I thought were very impressive is that, number one, he was never fined. Like, they never, even when it kind of like he did his public, I want to be traded, they immediately took him off the pup list and said, all right, we'll see what happens now. But it, it felt like it's a repairable relationship. How has he looked? How has he been at practice? How has he looked physically? What can we expect from Roquan Smith this season? Yeah. So I think, first of all, I'll start with I think Roquan, the Holden, I'm all for that. A player should get as much money as they can, especially a player that I think is one of the best linebackers in the league. Um, I think he's a very professional player. He's a really good player. And yes, he requested a trade, but I think it was all part of the negotiation. I don't think he really wanted to get traded. Um, he's a really good player. And I think that he didn't play in the preseason games. Um, he was going to play in the third preseason game, but he felt tightness, uh, before the game. Um, I think, like I said, I think he's one of the best linebackers in the league. And I think once you'll see him in week one, you'll see how good of a player he is. He's looked pretty good in practice. Uh, they're ramping him up. So he's not fully there yet, but I think this upcoming week before they, uh, get to week one, I think that's when you're going to see him ramp it up and do really well. You know, it kind of reminds me of the way everything went down with Khalil Mack, where he was holding out. He was holding out from the from the then Oakland Raiders. Yep. He gets traded, and he comes over with limited practice time, but it's Khalil Mack. He's good to go. That week one game against Green Bay Packers, the first half was one of the most exciting halves of football that I can remember maybe ever. Uh, as somebody who wasn't really – cognizant of what was going on in 1985 that might have been the greatest half of football I've ever seen in my life could we see Roquan Smith make such a make such an impact in week one against the 49ers a hundred percent I know for sure that he's been training really hard this offseason he's gotten stronger and the end of the day I know they didn't sign a contract extension but he wants to be a Chicago Bear for the rest of his NFL career I know that for sure so I think that he's going to go all out this season and he's going to show the Bears, hey, I want to be one of the best linebackers in the league and I'm going to show you why I am. Yeah, and he's also, I mean, they, the Bears can also franchise tag him next year. Mm-hmm. So it feels like, you know, they've got another year of uh, another layer of protection. And, and, you know, so you're confident that he wants to be here? 110%. I know that for sure. You know that for a fact. I'm, I'm yeah. holding you to that, Daniel. Yeah. I'm going to make sure. Uh, let's talk about the, you talked about the corner position or excuse me, the nickel position yep. earlier, which again, when we're talking about important parts of the Matt Eberflus defense, it's very important to have that nickel spot. We saw Kenny Moore play very well for the Colts over the last number of years when Matt Eberflus was there. It feels wide open. Who's leading the pack right now in that spot? Yeah. So like I said, it's an open competition. It's very fluid. They've had Kyler Gordon in that position, but he might play that corner. They really like Kendall Vildor. Uh, and the defense, I know he's had a roller coaster kind of season this up, this past season, but mm-hmm. they really like him. And they also like Lamar Jackson, not the quarterback for the Ravens. Right. They, um, but they, they like Lamar Jackson. They think that he's had a really good preseason. Um, and he's also a guy to keep your eye on. 
Yeah, one of the names that impressed, or one of the guys who impressed people last season was Thomas Graham. Yep. And a lot of people came into this season, myself included, expecting Thomas Graham to be involved and be a potential player at the nickel corner, maybe on the outside. He was released, but has been re-signed to the practice squad. What is happening with with, uh, Thomas Gordon? This has been kind of a surprising development to a lot of us. Yeah, so the thing with Thomas Graham is he hasn't, Thomas Graham, excuse me. Yeah, he hasn't practiced, and that's the thing. He got injured in the beginning of training camp, I think the first or second day of training camp, and he hasn't practiced. He did tell NBC Sports Chicago that it's a short-term injury and he should be back very soon, and I think that's why they added him to the practice squad. Um, but he was a guy that they before his injury, he did practice with the ones, um, but he hasn't been available, so they had to do a next man up. It was, uh, but still, it was a little. I my heart started a little bit. I didn't yeah. like seeing him being waved. I'm surprised. Were you shocked that nobody took a chance? I know he's injured, but it's like, are you shocked that nobody took a chance on him? Yeah, I am kind of surprised because he did show a lot on tape like, this past season. So I think that you know it's good for the Bears that he didn't get claimed, and now they'll have him in the practice squad. They'll make sure that he's fully healthy and develop him again, and you know maybe he'll, you'll see him in that week four, week five period. Yeah, it's one of those things like now that he's been released and nobody wanted him, I'm like, well, then do I really want him? Like, I don't know. Like nobody else. Like, what am I? Am I fooling myself into thinking that he's a good player? But I listen, last year I was impressed. So I don't know. We'll just take the good fortune, I guess, where it comes. And uh, and like that. What do you think, though, overall defensively? I don't think that it's outlandish to say that this defense can be a top 10 not fanny, but a top 10 defense this year. What do you think? A hundred percent. I think, like I said, there's not a, those big time names, except, you know, maybe Roquan Smith, you got Robert Quinn and Jalen Johnson, but the rest of the players are a lot of unknowns. You got rookies starting, you got players that are then play that well for their former team and how they get a fresh start. But I think once they establish that unit and they play together, you kind of seen them in the preseason, them flying around, um, I think they can be a top 10 defense this season for sure. Yeah. And one of the guys that you mentioned, Kendall Vendor, uh, gosh, he's, he's played so well. You love seeing yep. things like that. One guy that I feel has gone under the radar, despite being a second round pick, the first pick of the team this season, because we all fell in love with Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker immediately. Yep. Like, I, oh, that's our guy. Like immediately became a Chicago legend. Yeah. Kyler Gordon's been playing really well. Have you been impressed by him so far? Super impressed. I thought he could have had an interception against the Browns. Uh, He almost had an interception. He's all over the football and practices. He's out there. And the thing is with him is him and Jalen Johnson have been talking a lot and Jalen Johnson have been giving him a lot of tips. So I think Kyler Gordon, don't be surprised if he's in that conversation for the defensive player rookie of the year. Oh man. I love to hear that. I did turn in my predictions for the NFL.com. And we had to pick the defensive rookie of the year. And as a homer, of course, I picked Jaquan Brisker. Yeah, uh, I do feel like I might have shortchanged Kyler Gordon. And by the way, I was at a card show uh, over the weekend, and my daughter was walking around in a Jay Cutler jersey, my seven-year-old. And people were like, oh, whose jersey is that? And I was like, it's Kyler Gordon. She has long hair, so it covered yeah. And they're like, wait, is that a – I'm like, nah, don't worry about that. It's, it's As far as you know, it's Kyler Gordon. But I do love seeing uh, Gordon wearing six – Brisker yep. wearing nine, two of the great quarterbacks of all time. Now they could be defensive numbers. Uh, I kind of love that. 
And uh, I know it, it, it flies in the face of convention and traditionalists bristle at the fact that these guys are wearing single digit numbers. And speaking of traditionalists, uh, the last thing I want to hit on you with um, the stadium situation. I, okay. So obviously the bears own property in Arlington Heights. There is a, there's a belief that that's where the bears will eventually end up. I will say this on Tuesday nights, Carmen Vitale and I were on the opposite, opposite sides of this coin. Where do you, where do you fall in the great stadium debate? Are you a traditionalist who would love to see the bears stay at soldier field or would you embrace a move to Arlington Heights? I would embrace a move to Arlington Heights. And here's a couple of reasons why Um, with the bears, they've, talk to so they're not they don't own soldier field it's the chicago park district and i've been to bears games and the parking is just horrible you don't know you can't park anywhere and it takes you hours to get out of chicago and i think in arlington heights i think it'll be much better one because it's right next to the metro and people that are coming into the train uh from chicago or anywhere else it's very easy for them to get to the stadium i think they will be moving to arlington heights sooner rather than later I think it's basically a done deal. It's just you have to sign the paperwork. Yeah, you know what? I will tell anybody, and you can use this. You don't have to give me credit. First of all, the Rams and Chargers play in the suburbs of Los Angeles. Inglewood is not downtown Los Angeles. Yep. So it, that's that notion's gone. Number two, if you've ever been to SoFi Stadium, you'd be that's that honestly, that's what changed my mind. I was actually a staunch stay in the city. You don't want to move until I stepped into SoFi. And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're done. We need, we need to move on here. But anyways, Daniel, I'm glad we were finally able to get you on the show. Uh, I really appreciate your time and effort. Where can everybody follow you on, on Twitter and all that good stuff? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Shy Sport Updates. And you cover all things Chicago if you want to follow you. If you're also interested, along with the Bears, with the Chicago White Sox, the Cubs, Bulls. Blackhawks, all that good stuff. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for being here. Let's do it again really soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much. There he goes, the great Daniel Greenberg. Excited to have him on. Love the direction of the Chicago Bears. And so we're looking pretty good. And next week, we're going to have a preview of the game against the San Francisco 49ers. We'll be looking for what we'll get a beat writer from the from the 49. We'll bring in the enemy. We'll engage the enemy one-on-one as we start to break down that game. We're excited about that. But right now, everybody, if you have not done your fantasy draft so far, you probably have one this weekend. Labor Day weekend is a great time to do some fantasy football. So why don't we go to the island? Welcome to our fantasy island. Fantasy season is in full swing, and today to talk a little fantasy football, I am going to be bringing on one of the best in the business. You see all of our work on the Action Network. Let's bring in Sammy Praviti. And Sammy, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing so well. Uh, we appreciate you having on. By the way, I know there's it's a, a little, I, I need to call you Samantha, because our producer, Sammy, is the Sammy of record on this show, but we'll say Sammy Stacks. The uh, of the Action Network. We appreciate you being on. How many fantasy leagues are you currently in right now? Ooh, that's a touchy question. I don't know. It's probably like six season long ones, and then like lots of just best ball type drafts that I did throughout the summer. 
best ball drafts, of course, being the ones where you draft it and forget it, which is what I love. I, I don't want to be bothered. I want to go out there and make draft picks, great draft picks, and go about my business that way. Um, but for season long, now, over the last couple of weeks, I've started to indulge in a couple of season-long leagues. And one of the strategies that I've been using, I've been approaching, is I've been going running back heavy. I've been going running back, running back. I think they call that hero RB now. I don't know. There's there's so many fancy names, Samantha. I don't even know what to call it. What is your kind of strategy when you go into a season-long fantasy draft? Yeah, I mean, it definitely depends on what pick I have um, because especially like earlier on, I kind of let the best player available dictate how I'm going to end up drafting um, because like I'm, I would, I'm a big running back fan as well, mm-hmm. but like I'm not going to pass up on Jeff- Justin Jefferson, you know, if he falls to me or something like that. So then I might have to pivot strategies. I think it's important to have that kind of flexibility and agility to sort of pivot because like even when I did Scott Fish one year, um, I had the sixth pick and I had like everything plotted out. I thought I was going to get Alvin Kamara and then I, Travis Kelsey or something like fell to me at that pick and it's a tight end premium league or something. And I just remember right. being like, all right, well, my whole strategy is out the window but that's okay like you know in the end it was like oh I got I got a good pick here so um yeah so just being kind of agile but for sure RB heavy I think hero RB I think is when you take one running back early so like say you take Christian McCaffrey or like Jonathan Mm -hmm. Taylor and then ignore running back for the Uh rest of like the next like five rounds or so so um i i mean i've definitely done that strategy but you know there's a whole frozen pond of uh mediocre running backs in like the 20 to 35 range that are you're kind of like oh do i really trust clyde edwards elair is like my my rb2 or something so yeah it it can get dicey because i feel like uh, it's just i mean it's tough because on one hand RBs are just so exposed to injury risk. Um, so like you always have the risk of losing them for extended periods of time, but uh, it is such a valuable position because there are so few guys that are in like unchallenged positions where they're going to get a lot of carries and not have to share it with another guy. Yeah. And it's really interesting that you bring up Justin Jefferson. What is, what is the, what is the best entry point for Justin Jefferson? Let's say the first couple of picks are Jonathan Taylor uh, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry. Those are typically the top four. Do you draft Justin Jefferson over any one of those four guys? Uh, in PPR, I'm definitely taking Justin Jefferson, probably like fourth. Uh, so that would be over Derrick Henry in, in that case. Oh, wow. So that that's a pretty good entry point. And again, that's why it's always important to be the amoeba and be, to be able to to, as you said, be agile in case these things happen. And if you're sitting there in the eighth spot and Justin Jefferson's still there, you're like, well, I'm going to have to go in on that. I've been trying to dupe my friends on Fantasy Live. I have not, over the last couple of weeks, I have not even mentioned Justin Jefferson because I'm laying in late. <laughs> and I'm going to spring so it on them. I'm going to spring yeah. it on them at the last second. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, I just did my work draft this week and oh, like just – the way that the cookie crumbled, I had uh, the pick like 
my my editor was the 12 pick and I was the 11 pick and he reads all the stuff that I write so right. he was taking a whole but like he knew what I was doing he took a whole bunch of guys that I was like oh I'm sleep don't sleep on these guys and then he obviously took them from me so um sometimes it doesn't pay off to give out your advice like the actual advice that you're going to use to draft that's that's exactly the point like I feel like I'm drafting multiple teams my friends the DePaulo brothers all the time, all the players that I talk up, like they're gone. I'm like, I basically have three teams in this league, similar to you, where it's like you and your editor, like you guys might as well just combine teams because you're you're not getting a full, they should not be allowed to, to, to pick anybody, especially if it's your network. Like if you're, it's your, like I'm, I'm working for you. You should not be robbing me. Uh, it's, it's, it's offensive even. But so we like Justin Jefferson. Both of I were, were were on board with Justin Jefferson. I'm assuming then if if you said that Christian McCaffrey is one of your top four, you feel comfortable drafting Christian McCaffrey, even though the injuries have burned people over the last couple of years? Yes, I am ready to get hurt again. Uh, <laughs> it's just his ceiling is obviously so, so high. Those injuries, I mean, it just seems like a really like a string of bad luck type injuries. Um, none of them, they're not Achilles injuries, for instance. Like I'm more concerned about Cam Akers than I am about Christian McCaffrey. Thank year. you. Like, yes. It just seemed like a whole bunch of random things. Like it's like a quad that he was out for a couple weeks for. And then like a, an ankle and then a rib injury. Like, you, like there's all these like kind of random things. So I'm really hoping that that bad luck doesn't follow him. I'm also hoping that because I suspect that the Panthers will be more uh, competitive this season. I don't yeah. think they're going anywhere. I mean, I think they're going to do the fabled Carolina tradition of oh. getting <laughs> like just enough wins to not get a premium draft pick, but also not make the playoffs. <laughs> um, but because I think they're going to be a little more competitive, I think that'll help because also like maybe game scripts for one, but also like, you know, I feel like they had no incentive to keep him on the field last year and in the, in the year prior to when he, you know like he's a 64 million dollar running back and you know if they if, if they've got three wins at that point in the season why risk that but I think that if they're more competitive this year I think we'll see more of CMC um just overall so yeah I'm ready to get hurt again. no I love all that I'm I'm on board with everything that you said because I feel that every guy or girl whoever that is like, I, I don't want to take Christian McCaffrey because of the injuries is also the same person who's like, I'm on board with Cam Akers. Like, how how do you exist in this world? Like, how do both, like, none of those, and I know they'll be like, well, I'm giving up a first-round pick here. They're like, Cam Akers is still going in the third round. Like, that's not a pick you should be throwing away on a guy who has a busted Achilles. Like, that's not an easy injury to come back from. So people are playing fast and loose, but I'm glad. And I, I was in a draft last night. Not that anybody cares about that, my teams, but yeah, no this is a, about your fantasy team. <laughs> but as a for instance, I was sitting there and I was picking fourth or fifth, whatever it was, but fourth at the worst. And I'm like, okay, so I'm already I've already talked myself into Dalvin Cook. I'm like, okay, and assuming Justin Jefferson was gonna be gone. I'm like, I'm gonna get a Viking. I mean, I, I'm figuring uh JT goes first, Christian McCaffrey probably goes second, and then two. Justin Jefferson, because I think Justin Jefferson to me has jumped ahead of Austin Eckler. But I'm like, well, I'm going to get a Viking. I'm going to live with it. And somehow I got Christian McCaffrey there. And it's it's always funny that the comments that come out of the woodwork of the scared people who are like, oh, look, oh, 
hope he stays healthy. But I'm like, yeah, I do too. I, I wish that for every player. So I'm on, but I don't care. I'm a risk it. I'm going to totally do that. I have no hesitation. But speaking of Dalvin Cook, how do you feel about Dal this year? I know if everybody loves Justin Jefferson, maybe you don't like Dalvin Cook as much, or do you think there's enough to go around for both those guys? I do think there's enough to go around for both of those guys. I mean, I know he had a little bit of an offseason last year, but like for him, an offseason is still, you know, like 1,300 all-purpose yards. (laughs) So it's not going to – he didn't kill you last year, for instance. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think there is going to be enough to go around. Kirk Cousins is actually one of my kind of like – sleeper picks because i feel oh, like everyone too. always yeah, sleeps on viking like no they're not sleeping on justin jefferson but they're sleeping on uh, like kirk cousins and i'm like kirk, you can't I'll, have I'll one and the uh, like not the other I, like you know so I, I mean i think that there's gonna be a lot of uh guys that are in that offense that are kind of like undervalued uh irv smith comes to mind even kj mm. osborne is a guy for like best ball i love him for best ball oh my gosh yeah he's a great even though they got jalen rager uh, it, it's not going to impact KJ Osborne at all because he's a better player. He just is. And I was talking to Small, Stephanie Smalls, about this too. Like I have too much exposure to the Vikings. I my my sincerest dream is that because I love Kirk Cousins too. Like I'm I'm just taking all the because it's it's the offense. It's Kevin O'Connell, and I always throw out the example of Todd Gurley. First couple of years with Jeff Fisher, he was fine. He was sort of mid though. Sean McVay takes over. Todd Gurley has the best season of his career. I could see the same thing happening with Dalvin Cook, same thing happening with Justin Jefferson. So I'm all in. And again, like you said, like you cannot, the duality, you cannot be pro-Jefferson and anti-Kirk Cousins because that can't exist. What you can do is be like, I hope the Vikings have the best offense in the league, but they win four games. That I can get on board with because that's sincerely possible because their defense might not be as good as a lot of people think. Uh, I want to stick with the running back position because I get this question a lot too. And it's Saquon Barkley. And a lot of, again, a lot of people have been burned. You're, you're willing to take that risk for Christian McCaffrey. Are you willing to take a similar risk with Saquon Barkley? Who's probably going to be drafted in the second round. Yeah. I mean, it depends where we're talking. Like someone chastised me recently for taking, for not taking Barkley sort of like as a top 10 guy. And I was like, I don't know that he's in my top 10. That's, that's excessive. But I I would say like, yeah, if we're getting to like the RB 14, 15 sort of range, I think that that's kind of like where I would feel comfortable taking him. Like, yeah, we've, We've kind of seen uh, it's been a, it's been a rough couple of years for sure for for Barkley stands. But I also think that, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give him that benefit, too. I mean, I would say that his injuries are a little more serious than Christian McCaffrey's are. And there's still questions around the Giants offensive line now. I, I think they had a phenomenal draft. So but, but I've seen that they've had a number of injuries already. So that's kind of a little bit concerning. Um, but, you know, like just going back to McCaffrey, like the Panthers made a ton of offensive line upgrades, including um, first rounder EK Quano. So I think that like, you know, that's another thing we need to factor in that he'll be less exposed and um, just the team's overall going to be so much better. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm partly in, let's say. We're partly in. It's also a little bit concerning because Brian Dable was the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills and they could never get Devin Singletary to have a full complete season. Zach Moss was like a rando, healthy scratch at times. I'm sort of concerned about it. But what do you do? Like if you're sitting there, I guess 
the perfect situation is if you have the 1.01 and you get Jonathan Taylor and you know, and Saquon Barkley in a 10-team league perhaps falls to you, like, of course, that's a no-brainer. But what about guys like, if you have uh, to choose between Saquon and say like Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill, which way would you kind of go there? Ooh, I might go Adams over Barkley, but not Hill, if that makes Not sense. Hill. Why not? Why yeah. not Tyreek? Ooh, I don't know. So like it, it, it's just, it's difficult for me to envision like right now, ADP wise, like there's Hill and Waddle basically going as top 14 wide receivers. We've got Gasicki going as like a top 11 tight end. And then we've got Tua going as like yeah. quarterback 16 or something. Another like Yeah. Another <laughs> thing that doesn't translate. Yes, right. exactly. and, I, and I actually think this is maybe like the like opposite thing that maybe Tua is what we think he is. And maybe these guys are just going to get a little bit more limited because um, I know Waddle's kind of dealing with an injury right now, but I'm still, I mean, I, he was slaughtered in, in my head before the Hill trade as a top 12 guy. I think he has that talent. And I just think that like Hill will have a good season, but not, not a top five season. If that's, if that makes sense. So that's kind of yeah. like where I am with him. You also have to factor in the Mike McDaniel offense. They love to run the football. And that goes back to the thing of San Francisco. Like they run the football an awful lot. And they brought in Raheem Mostert, who, you know, you talk about all the speed guys that the Dolphins have accumulated over the last couple of years. Like Raheem Mostert, maybe the fastest guy of all of them, probably not faster than Tyreek, but also uh, of all of them. You're still listening or still following along on one of those on Facebook, on YouTube. Why don't you use the word sick? Put it in the comments section right now. Let us know that you're continuing to, to party with us here on Fantasy Island. We appreciate you being here. We've got Samantha Prevetti, Previti, excuse me, rhymes with graffiti. I remembered that. I remembered that. This was why it took me so long to get you on the show is that I couldn't, I didn't know quite how to say your last name. Right. We had to meet in person. I had to, we had to meet the, the in-person phonetic. <laughs> right. Well, the first time it was in Vegas during the draft and I'm, I wasn't about to remember that. I ran into Chris Long. I, it was a big moment for me. Um, but I'm super excited to have you here. We're talking about some of the biggest draft issues. You're dialed in with the Denver Broncos. You're out there in Colorado, out there in Colorado. You're going to be, what you got a new role with the Chicago, with the Chicago, with the Denver Broncos broadcast. What are you going to be? I just saw this on Twitter. What are you doing with them? Sure. It's not a new role. Last year, I did a weekly uh, sort of segment for them on DFS. uh, And I just, sort of figured found out that that will be renewed so every wednesday at 8 p.m i will be on talking it's going to be dfs but also like prop bets stuff like that kind of season-long stuff really just like anything that kind of comes to mind also i just roast the 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 hosts um fantasy team and fantasy takes so that's (laughs) that's always really fun uh the one of the hosts is uh ben albright and he comes from like the real oh. like NFL tape. Oh yeah, right. And we and, know like, Albright. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he uh, he hates quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, for instance. Oh, that's so right. He, we have to like argue about that all the time. I told him like, yeah, you can leave that like nine fantasy points every game on the table if you want. <laughs> Yeah, what are you, are you, are you, we're in on Jalen Hurts, right? I love Jalen Hurts. You're in on him, right? Very in on him. I mean, obviously he had like almost 800 rushing yards last year. So yeah, he, I think he, it was like an extra, it was an average of eight and a half fantasy points per game just from rushing. So, I mean, 
Gotta love that. The upgrade in weapons. I'm really all in on him. You know, they also talk about, you know, we love rookie running backs. Second-year wide receivers are also prime to break out. We talked about Jalen Waddle a moment ago. What about Devonta Smith? I am weirdly into Devonta Smith this season, even with A.J. Brown there. I think it's a better opportunity for Devonta Smith. How do you feel about him this season? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I I, 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 I didn't like that side. We, fla- we saw such good flashes of him last year. I am concerned about uh, A.J. Brown being there because I just think like he's such a big-bodied guy that's going to like really overpower, be a great red zone target for Hurts. But, I mean, I, I'm not out on him. I would say that I would take him in, like, the low-end wide receiver three tier. Is that a little too low for you? No, no, no. That's that's very fair. I'm looking at the fantasy football calculator as we talk. Looking at half-point PPR, I feel like most people should be playing half-point PPR. But still, you know, you see players like Amon Ross St. Brown above him. Like, that's fine. But, like, Juju's ahead of him. I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't know. Like, he's going off in the eighth round, which I think is a great value for him. He's going ahead of Cordero Patterson, Amari Cooper, Brandon Ayuk. I kind of feel like he's valued where he should be. I like him a little bit more than, say, Hunter Renfro. Like him more than Thielen, even though we love the Vikings. I like him more than Thielen. Not as much as I like Darnell Mooney. But, you know, he's right there. I think we're okay. We're okay. I'm not counting on Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I've taken a lot of bears recently. Just because you said Mooney. Um, You've taken a, Yeah. How do you feel I, I about don't know who are you, you drafting? You're going Mar- Mooney, Montgomery. Where are you where are you falling? So no, I'm not taking Montgomery. But I uh, have I, I took Mooney and Komet recently, not in the same draft. I can't have that much exposure, right? To. Um, but yeah, I mean, Komet's a guy that I wasn't in on. But like, if I'm punting at tight end and I'm like the last one to take a tight end, I'm I feel okay about taking him. What do you think? <laughs> No, I'm, you know what? I'm with you. I, I know a lot of people think I'm a lunatic and they love to take shots at me on Twitter. Like, oh, you got so many bears on your team. I'm like, I will have one bear on my team. I like David Montgomery. I don't feel, I, I'm not afraid to take him. But if I have Montgomery, I don't take Mooney. And if I have either one of those guys, I'm probably not taking Cole Komet. So it's always a, it's always a balance. Mooney Komet is my second tight end. I might do. But again, I, again, I think as much as I like the Bears, I know their offense is going to be probably not as high scoring as somebody like the Vikings. I think they're going to be a better defensive team, which means some of their games will likely be lower scoring. So, But Cole Komet was a guy who last season as a 22-year-old had, what, 600 receiving yards. He was targeted an awful lot. He just didn't score a lot of touchdowns. And I think that's going to be corrected this year. We saw it in the preseason already. So I think when you're looking for a deep sleeper at tight end, I mean, I'm I'm going to try to get Kyle Pitts or somebody like that or Mark Andrews. But if I miss out on them and I got to go Cole Komet, I'm not going to be concerned about it. Yeah, I agree with you. Brings up a good point about draft strategy to me, because I think like what's really important is to like maybe as an overall sort of tenant is to manage the risk you have throughout the draft. Like I think it like it's okay if you take Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley or, or those guys, but I think then you have to manage it later with guys that are more blue chip players. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing goes for if you take a whole bunch of safe guys or who's safe, but like relatively safe guys in early rounds, that's when you should like, then the later rounds, that is when I'm stocking up on a whole bunch of like rookie wide receivers or like maybe 
backups that I think like are one injury away from being <laughs> startable or someone like, I don't know, like Nico Collins, I just, yes. those types of guys come to mind. Like I'd much rather have them than, I don't know. Some of these guys, it's like their ceiling is maybe like, maybe a flex once in a while. Whereas like these other guys, these later round guys, I'm swinging for the fences with. That's a great strategy. Yeah. Once you get that roster, you got your starters there and you feel pretty good about it. Like, let's go, let's go crazy. Like I said, I love rookie running backs, second year wide receivers, Nico Collins, you're speaking my language. I love him this year. Uh, we have a lot of, ex- like, we love a lot of, a lot of Texans in fantasy, or maybe just two guys. Maybe it's Nico. Damian Pierce has been rising up draft boards. He was a value when you were getting him in the, well, geez, I'm looking at some of my old mock draft Mondays. He was like going in round 13 to me. Then it was round eight. Now it's round three. What is an acceptable spot for Damian Pierce? Uh, I, you're probably asking the wrong person. No, I'm asking the right I don't, person. I don't, Talk sense I, to I've us. just not been as in on Damian Pierce. I was concerned about his usage in college. That is, I mean, it, yes, like, guys can overcome that but that is a pretty good predictor of like the type of workload that a guy can handle now he has obviously been extremely impressive in this preseason and everything like that but I just think it is a little too much like buying into it and whenever like people zig I'm trying to zag right like I don't I don't want to buy at someone's apex and that's what it feels like here like I think it's I mean I saw someone recently I'm not calling them out but Kyle Yates on Twitter I was gonna say I was gonna call him out he uh said that he moved Pierce to I think RB21 in his rankings which I just think is like way too high so I would maybe feel comfortable like I here's the thing like I just know I'm not gonna get him like and I'm okay with that there's plenty of guys that like it's not that I have a huge thing against them. It's just at cost right now. I'm okay not getting them. And I mean, maybe I'd feel comfortable in like the water, the RB4 range, but like, like he's never falling there now no, at this point. Yeah. He's, he's going like probably the latest I've seen recently in the drafts that I've done is like RB36. So that's oh pretty gosh. late for him right now. So I, I, yeah. And at that point, I'm just like, yeah, just like, I'm okay to be wrong about certain guys. And he's one of those guys. Yeah, it, it's getting out of hand. I liked him. You know, you talked about the Scott Fishbowl earlier. For anybody who's not familiar, that's a it's a charity league that the majority of the fantasy community participates in. Our draft started July 11th. And with one of my last picks, I picked Damian Pierce. And you're like, okay, that's a good spot. I was in a draft the other day and he's going in the third round. You're like, well, that's that's I've been priced out of the market and that's fine. Again, once Rex Burkhead catches two touchdowns in week one against who are they playing? The Browns? No, is it? No, it's not the Browns, but whoever it is. Um, it'll be ridiculous. Everybody will panic and it'll be a lot of fun for us to watch unfold. Uh, I do want it while we have you here, I uh, don't want to keep you too much longer, but you're, you're since you're our Denver correspondent, which which Broncos running, uh, which Broncos wide receiver do we want? Do we want Cortland Sutton or do we want Jerry Judy? Yeah, so we were talking before about how I go on Broncos radio and it's a great opportunity to sort of connect with those insiders that are at practice every day, like really into it and have sort of all the insider information. And I was on the show last week and I told them that Judy's ADP and Sutton's ADP are five spots different. Like it's 
wide receiver 20 and wide receiver 25 or something like that. And they were blown away. They were flabbergasted because they said that Judy and Sutton have no like business being drafted near each other. It's very clearly one guy and that guy is Cortland Sutton. They said that he is the one that has built the rapport with uh, new quarterback Russell Wilson he like I, I mean at least he's the guy that's been proven he's three years removed from a season where he had 1100 receiving yards mm-hmm. at, at least he's done it before like Judy I just feel like and I, I I'm totally there with people like I get it because he has the potential and I want to believe in him like I just keep thinking oh it's bad quarterback play which by the way yes like that's a real thing that they have had for years um or he's unlucky <laughs> with injuries like he had a major ankle injury for like I think seven weeks of last season so I, I get it but it's like where where my belief in him is all based on potential and kind of his college production which was really impressive but at this point it's like we're multiple years removed from that and at this point I'd rather go with the guy that I know that a has the rapport with the quarterback and b has done it in the past no I love it I'm a Huge on Cortland Sutton, so thank you for saying that, and I appreciate it. Uh, Also, though, since you're part of the Action Network, I want to get your take on this. Now, recently, Sports Illustrated came out and predicted the Bears to win three games, three games this season. And I know you're probably looking at some future. Listen, I don't know what the I don't know what futures means. I don't know what any betting. I'm not advocating betting. I'm not. Any of that, I don't know how it works. I don't know how Las Vegas works. I know it's a city in the desert. I've been there a few times. I don't know how any of this works. So I'll just ask you, based on Sports Illustrated's projection, and I know this is probably not what Vegas thinks, but just as they're going on Sports Illustrated, do the Bears win more or less than three games, or is three the the perfect number for them? Uh, I think they win more. So I just had to check. I, I was actually in my head handicapping this, but um, I just had to check their over under. It, it is uh, six wins on DraftKings right now. So I, I I think that it's plausible that they, I would probably take the under. It's probably going to be between three and six in my head, but three seems really low. Like that's, mm. that's too low. That's like Jaguars low. And I'm not sure that they're, they're there. <laughs> Yeah, they. I, I think that they've done a better job of a, of acquiring talent. When I see them against teams like Seattle and Atlanta, like those are teams. When I think of three win teams, I think of those kind of squads. I think the Bears will be Absolutely. a little bit more competitive. How do you feel about the Lions? They have Sports Illustrated has the Lions at nine wins. Uh, are you buying the hype on the Detroit Lions? So I, I know that they are like such a sexy pick right now. Everyone's talking about the Lions and I get it. Like you're getting good value, obviously there. Like it, there's plenty of money on, uh, you know, them to make the playoffs and they're over on their win total. I just, it, I don't know. I have pause. Like in general, I, I'm not into the zero to hero narrative. We were so into that with the Jaguars last year. I would say yes. we is the Royal We collectively. The Everyone collective seems we. to think like like, oh, like the Jack like that's all the Jaguars need. They <laughs> need a quarterback and a running back. Obviously ETN got hurt, but they obviously were not a zero to hero team. Um and it just the reality is is that is that is so hard to do, right? Like it's really, mm-hmm. really hard. Very few teams and maybe Maybe the Broncos are one of them, but and they weren't zero, but like very few teams are like one position away, you know, and I know that yeah. they have made improvements across uh, like across the board, but I don't think it's enough to win nine games. So no. um, I would probably put them in that six game range. Uh, it maybe six to five game range if I'm if I'm being honest. 
Yeah, Jared Goff is still their quarterback. I think a lot of right, people exactly. failed, like, to, failed to realize that. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, never I, seen him, you know, I, I don't know. So, yeah, he, he he is Jared Goff. He's surrounded by, you know, there, there's weapons, there's pieces, but we've also seen teams have pieces and never not be able to put it together. So, no, I well, don't think they're winning nine games. <laughs> he had pieces in Los Angeles with Sean McVay as his head coach and was able to do right. it once. And they were <laughs> – I listen when whenever I I take shots at Jared Goff, I'm like I don't take my word for it. Take Sean McVay who traded him. So that that's not on me. That's on Sean McVay. I will I will hide behind him and his beautifully quafted hair. Well, listen, Samantha. You, oh, sorry. What's up? No, please, no, please want, tell me. I just wanted to ask you what you thought of the Alex Leatherwood thing because um, obviously a former like not for like former makes it sound like many years ago like he's no, the he was, first round pick a, from last year so. first round draft pick last year an Outland yeah. Trophy winner from a from a high end university right. here's my thing I, I I really like the approach that Ryan Poles has taken with acquiring a guy who has a lot of upside who has a lot of potential. He's not being brought in to start. I think the Raiders threw him into the mix, probably threw him in way too early, moved him around a little bit too much. It was kind of similar to what happened to Kyle Long, where they they kind of messed him around too much instead of just sticking him in one spot. I think that if they bring him in with a I, – I, I'm assuming they have a plan in mind. Tevin Jenkins looks like he's now entrenched as the right guard. If you could move Leatherwood to, let's say, left guard, and eventually be Cody Whitehair's eventual replacement. That's something that I could get behind. You know, it, it cost them six million. They they let the Raiders off the hook with that dead cap money, but it's it's two million dollars a year for a guy who was a former first round pick who could develop into something. That's the kind of risk that I want to take, especially with the position the Bears are in right now. And I I think again, it's good to get the outsider's perspective. Like it's not a hater like Dan Orlovsky, but still. Like a lot of people expect this team to be around six wins. I'm a little bit more optimistic. I would take the high side of that. But I think of where this team is right now, getting a guy like Alex Wood or Alex Leatherwood makes too much sense. Why did you like that move? Yeah, I was just like, I, I couldn't tell if it was a matter of like the Raiders are so bad at drafting. But then again, he was a projected first round pick, I feel like. like So maybe like people were wrong and he's a second round talent, but he's right. not a undrafted talent. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's it's like the, the guy most likely deserves to be in the league and can probably develop as a starter. So I like I like the call. I was just surprised to see that the Bears were the only ones to place a claim on him. Yeah, well, they were, uh, I think their waiver claim position was seventh. So they had a nice, they're up there, you know, one of the top 10. They're at least top 10. So I'm surprised he got past them, especially with teams like, well, Jacksonville did a nice job of rebuilding their offensive line. So in Carolina might have been in front of them, but, or, or the Giants even. I was, at, that, that might have been the one that shocked me. Like the Giants, I thought, because when he was released, I'm like, oh, that'd be cool, but the Giants will probably take him. But happy to get him and happy to see what, what could happen and what could develop uh, over the next couple of years. But listen, Samantha, I want to really thank you for your time. We appreciate it. We know this is the busy part of the season for a lot of us in the fantasy community. So I appreciate you doing it. I hope you will return to the island at one point. We would love to have you back. You crushed it, gave a lot of great advice, helped us settle some issues, especially the Cortland Sutton thing and talk some, some great draft strategies for the coming weeks. So we appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun and I will come back anytime you want. All right, you heard it. She is going to be back here soon. So, Samantha, thank you so much. There she goes. The great Samantha 
Praviti rhymes with graffiti. Uh, she's wonderful. Follow her on the Action Network. Follow her on all the social media channels. She's been doling out great advice each and every week and will continue to do so for the entirety of the season. So for everybody here with the Sick Podcast, for our Sammy uh, and for Samantha and for uh, Daniel Greenberg, we appreciate you being here. Till Tuesday night, let's bear down. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.